What up, guys? Welcome to the Raising Worth podcast. Raising Worth is a family and an organization who advocates for healthy and connected families. We believe connection takes place when we truly understand the value of one another. A major focus of our mission is connecting families with the heart to adopt with the right resources. So you know the drill. We're here to highlight, uncover, and talk about people, places, and things all raising worth in their community. It could feel random at times. We'll have people on the show from all walks of life. It could be from Bitcoin to adoption and anywhere in between. Thank you so much for being here because we know you could be anywhere in the world right now. Hello, hello. Good morning, you (laughs) wonderful people. Happy November. Happy November. (laughs) Falls among us. Falls among us. Leaves are all falling down. And if you have a home, time to get that rake out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This episode is our third and final episode of Who Are the Hepworths? And again, the whole concept of us doing this was just so you could get to know us a little bit better. Maybe you're just starting to follow us. Maybe you're just um, found yourself on our website. And so we wanted to do a little mini series of who we were separately, which was the first episode. Second one was our love story, and this one is um, kind of the episode of growing our family. That's right. (laughs) So we're going to touch first on our adoption journey. So then you guys, because we get a lot of questions saying, tell us all about your adoption journey. How did it even start? So we'll touch on that. And then the second half of this is touching on um, our fertility story. Yeah, We are obviously now pregnant with twins, six months pregnant with twins. Let's go. <laughs> and that's a huge part of our story yeah. as well. So so this is how it all started. <laughs> I'm looking at Zach saying, with his eyes saying, can I, can I keep going? Um, we got married six years ago. And after being married for six months, we had an ectopic pregnancy, which if you don't know what that means, that means the baby implants somewhere other than the uterus. And for us, that was in my fallopian tube. Essentially, um, just shy of nine weeks being pregnant, which we were so excited about. It did cut us, catch us off guard because we did have that perspective when we first got married, three-year minimum kind of thing. We were traveling a lot. Uh, we were going to the Philippines a lot, work, and we just kind of had this concept of also we were so young when we got married. So when we got pregnant, we were kind of like, whoa, but then also very excited. Yeah. So we went to Hawaii for a celebration of Zach's uncle who passed away, who lived in Hawaii. And it was there. I had been bleeding for weeks prior, but they had told us a plethora no of deal. things. Yeah, it was Don't a subchorionic hemorrhage. Yeah. And um, there was when it was confirmed after finally Zach saying we're going to the emergency room that it was ectopic. Yeah, because it just got to the point to where obviously something was going on. Yes. And so here we are in some honestly some cheap hotel in oh my gosh it's all we could afford (laughs) yeah we didn't have like any money because we had to extend our trip yeah because i had to get surgery so we ended up having to stay an extra week we had no money i don't think it was a full extra week it was like five days yeah it was yeah we had to stay longer and we didn't have any money so we're in this like really sketchy hotel like above a restaurant (laughs) it was so random so funny and then all of a sudden we're like we've got to go to the emergency room so yeah it was a whirlwind i i barely even remember those Truly. those that week or those trauma days. has a weird effect like that yeah and, and honestly i'd love to do a whole episode just on that experience because yeah um there's so much to unpack on pregnancy loss and last month was pregnancy infant loss and there's a lot and i would love for zach to share his perspective because he's so good at go ahead uh, yeah i'll just say this one thing okay say it I feel like society thinks it's not a big deal. 
like sure. they like just it. generally speaking i just feel like losing a child having a miscarriage or an eptoc ep, excuse me eptopic pregnancy is not a big deal like people just look at it like it's just whatever move on it was but yeah first time honestly, you didn't even really yeah yeah you didn't really we it water was, it down big time it's it a big is deal. such a big deal mm-hmm. and just the more that we've learned about and that it what, only affects women it affected you and i that's what i would love to have that effect oh, it on it destroyed me yeah. like honestly like it and it hurt all the, you know it and hurt thankfully so instagram bad. is bringing that to light a lot yeah. of women are sharing yeah. their stories more but, but i want to validate men, that yeah. i want to say it matters yeah. i want to say like look when you go through a loss mourn the loss yeah, grief. when you go through the loss don't feel weird yeah. Like, don't feel like, oh, it yeah. wasn't, you know, I didn't I don't ever care meet if you the were child a day or whatever. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Like, yeah. that was potential that fell short. Like, that was a life that could have been. There's a lot wrapped up in that. And so I just wanted to validate that yeah, and say, good. I just think it's a big deal. I think it's a really big deal. Yep. And men, yes, it's a big deal. It should be a big deal to you as well. Yep. Don't suppress it, don't fight it. Yep. I mean, uh, it's. Yeah, it's it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. So, anyways. so so essentially that um, that happened, and in that I had to get my fallopian tube removed, and it was told to us by the doctors, "Oh, your other tube's open. You won't have any fertility issues. People get pregnant all the time with ectopic or after ectopic pregnancies." Yeah. And so, um, for us, that loss, though it was, it's a weird way, but the way it played into our adoption story was it got us conversing about family. And I remember us sitting, talking about the growth of our family. And all of a sudden it was kind of this weird experience because we both weren't necessarily, we were not chasing after getting pregnant. Um, We were not chasing after any, you know, growing our family. But after it happened, we were like, oh, this is a big deal. Family's a big deal. And so it started the conversation of growing our family, hence enters adoption. Um, and so it was kind of one of those things where a lot of people assume, oh, they adopted because they had a pregnancy loss. And and also so many people assume if you adopt that it's because you can't get pregnant. And that wasn't our perspective. Yeah. Pump the brakes. Okay. You know, right there. Just if you're listening, that is not the case. It's not the case. Do not start (laughs) assuming that people. Don't put that on people. Come on. Yeah, don't put that on. Don't put your own opinion on everybody all the time. Just because you see people have adopted, it It, does not mean. It only happened yesterday. Our next door neighbor was like, oh, Oh, so you adopted because you couldn't get pregnant? And I said, no. I'm pregnant right now. Yeah. Yeah. And So, yeah, that's not the case. People have a million different reasons why they adopt. A million. Okay. A million different reasons. Let's just start there. Maybe a trillion. (laughs) Maybe gudgerbalalian. Yeah. So, <laughs> so essentially, um, that started the conversation for us with adoption yeah. and with Zach, um, his story, which he'll share some, you know, probably maybe an entire episode, even on his experience with an adoption, he was adopted by his dad. And so, um, when we brought, brought up the adoption conversation, it was him really, um, for the first time he had known throughout our friendship yeah. for a long time, how special it was to me. He'd known when we were dating, it was special to me. Um, he knew how bad... It was something I wanted to pursue eventually, right? It's this mirage kind of it like felt very far fairy tale thing. Uh, but for the first time in our actual me knowing him, he was like, you know what? Let's explore this. And um, Well, not at first. At first, true. I was like, I don't know if adoption is a good idea. Yeah, that's true. Because what I'll say was the first time was the first time I'd ever looked at my own experience being adopted. Exactly. I'd ever never acknowledged that. Right. I'd never ever acknowledged the fact that I was adopted by my father. Right. I never thought about it. 
I never thought about how it impacted my life, really. Yep. I never unpacked that. a big that. deal. So it was actually, like, a really big moment for me, a big moment in time um, that really brought a lot of revelation and clarity and even healing to my own upbringing. It was a really beautiful thing. Um, at the time, it didn't necessarily feel that way. It felt very heavy and confusing. Mm-hmm. But I look back at it and... Um, that was the unraveling right there. There was a big unraveling that yeah. happened. Yeah, it was a very formative moment for me mm-hmm. coming into, you know, growing a family, which mm-hmm. is what we're talking about. So to give you guys a timeline, because this is how my brain thinks, that loss of the ectopic pregnancy was June. 2015. Of 2015. And we started the conversation of adopting that next month in July. And then we filled out the actual first adoption um, application in January of 2015. 16. So there was a six-month period of Zach and I processing mm-hmm. his adoption, conversing about this, praying, praying is this it. something we want to do? And um, a lot yeah, of times, are we fit to do are this? We fit to do this? <laughs> we're like 12 <laughs> years old. <laughs> we were so, felt like, we had yeah, no, felt money. Like kids, no money. We had literally absolutely no money. Um, we also had, didn't have a huge uh, like map for how to do family well. Oh, we, hadn't, we both come from split families. Yeah. A tattered map. Mm-hmm. And so, and yeah. so, I mean, we were still learning each other. We hadn't even been married a year. Like, there was so much, which is so funny. But yeah, becoming parents made us grow up. It, we're still growing up, guys. <laughs> no, for sure. What it made <laughs> the us. The kids go to bed and we're like, want a bowl of cereal? <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, um, so, true. so, a lot of people come to it's us, hilarious. and that's one of the very first questions is people say, hey, I really feel like I'm supposed to, like, we want to start the adoption process. Where yeah. do we start? And so in that six-month period, I always tell people, you and your husband better be on the same page or spouse or if you're single. Like, you better fully be connected. If you're a person of faith, you better fully be connected to the yeah. Lord of what this means for you. Because it's not just going to get a child. It's not uh, even just becoming a home for a child that needs one. There's a lot of different um, moving pieces that you need to press into before filling out that first application. Do you need to have it figured out? Absolutely not. We did not. But there's a lot of conversations that you need to make sure you have before just flippantly you yeah. know writing these applications and so Absolutely. that's what we pressed into and so t- uh, practically we looked we were young right so we didn't even qualify for the u.s adoption so yeah. we started with saying okay what where could we adopt from so it started there we both had always really had a deep connection with africa in general so we were like oh you know we'd been working in asia um for a majority of our you know nonprofit work and so we consider okay asia or god you know africa you've always put that on our heart and and so then from there we zoned in on the different countries we were qualified for. And long story short, we felt like at the very beginning, we felt like Uganda was where we we're supposed to start. And it's so funny because I still to this day remember thinking, I've never heard the Lord more clear. <laughs> about Uganda. About Uganda. Um, I remember being like, it's Uganda, babe. And you were like, okay. like. Well, and let's talk about that. I feel like you did hear the Lord. Oh, yeah. But this is the thing, guys. We always you hear the Lord in part, in part. you yeah. know? Not always, but most of the time you're hearing the Lord in part. Yeah. It's usually like step one to a, you know, 27-step equation. Right. So I do feel like you heard from yeah. him super clearly. Yeah. He said, like, you know, pursue Uganda, and mm-hmm. we did, and that's mm-hmm. what pushed us into... Where we ended up. Correct. For sure. And with the background that we have, um, we knew... Finding an agency that is ethical was our main priority. So if that took us years, then that's what we were going to do. So we interviewed a bunch of organizations, adoption agencies in Uganda. um, 
And we found one and after, you know, they answered the questions according to like how we felt were, you know, what we wanted answered. But then after getting into the program, there were these red lights Mm -hmm. and we both were like, wait a minute, were they, you know, telling us. And so after essentially being with this program, oh, also one of my favorite stories is that we sold our couch for that very first adoption application because we needed $300 and we didn't even have $300. So we sold our couch. And I remember eating Papa Murphy's pizza. Do you remember that? That night on the floor and we were like, we don't have a couch, but we got an application to this agency. And I think that's what's so important is you might not have all the money at once, but once you're, you know, once you've made those discussions with your spouse and you guys have gone through like maybe different fears and been really honest with each other Mm -hmm. and established like, hey, this is the direction we want to go. You'll you do don't anything. always necessarily have to wait until all the funding is available. Take oh, those little sure. steps. You know, each step mm-hmm. is, uh, in my opinion, each step kind of opens the next door, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, I think of it as like, you know, if there's like a whole pot of like funding or whatever, yeah. you know, you have to take the first step to unlock that entire, yep. you know, pot of funding. Like you just... And there was sacrifice on our part from the beginning, right? It wasn't this. And we both felt like that. We were in the nonprofit world, so you raise all your support. And from the very get-go, Zach and I both felt like, okay, the first 5,000, we want to try and pay for ourselves before we extend this fundraising idea or this. And so we did everything that we could think of to be the first people to really sew into this, right? So with that being said, um, after getting some red flags, being with that program for like, I think it was only like three months, maybe even less. I remember telling Zach, I think we're not, I think this isn't the program we're supposed to be in. And, um, and then I remember we both, we sent the email to the caseworker and said, Hey, we're going to pull ourselves out. We don't feel good about this. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, literally remember this, the next day, Uganda sent out an update with their, um, yes, whatever embassy. They changed they changed their adoption um, processing requirements. Yeah, they they basically changed it to where you have to live there for an entire year, right? Fostering before you can come home. Right. And that so, doesn't conf- that doesn't guarantee Yeah. Uh, you that know, you're going to necessarily yeah, adopt. So but like, that's you the have requirement. To be that, in the country, live in the country. Which I get why and, they do that, and I love that they do that to an extent. No, uh, yeah, it's not. There's not a knock on that. That's just the reality of what changed. But it confirmed and for, for us. us, we weren't able to do that. There yeah. wasn't going to be a way that we were able to do that. And so, yeah, we had to change directions. And almost honestly, when I look back in hindsight, yeah, it almost feels like that agency was trying to rush people into adopting from Uganda before things changed. Mm-hmm. When I look back. The way the they were conversations. Very, they oh, were very yeah. pushy. Yep. They were always like trying to get us to like move forward as fast as possible, which was really mm-hmm. one of the things that made us feel very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. So, yeah, there are a lot of things. Anyways. And that's, uh, we'll do a whole episode on red flags and what to look for with an agency, um, whether that's international or domestic. This isn't going to be a perfectly linear conversation. To anybody <laughs> totally. that is type A <laughs> listening and, and can't take yeah. a little pass, then I really press apologize. And <laughs> might want to just jump off the podcast. <laughs> We're kind but, of all over the place. Yeah. So, um, so then from there on, I remember being so discouraged because I was like here, you know, at that point it felt like it had been a long time, even though, you know, our loss was only, or our conversation about growing our family had only started about eight months prior. Um, we started looking into other programs we were eligible for and then long story short, yeah, it became, it came down to South Africa and Liberia. And when we connected with the uh, country, 
manager of the Liberia program of the agency we went forward with. I remember being on the drive home from Portland. You remember that? No. We were in the middle of nowhere, and I was nervous that our we service, we were there for something, a weekend, I think, it goes to your sister or something, yeah. and we were uh, almost lost reception, and when she called us, and I remember sweat, my armpit sweating, and she was just so powerful in the, the way that she answered her questions. The program was really being led for the growth of um, health, healthily. Like, you could tell she had ethics at the forefront oh, of how she ran this program. She was very, uh, we very just loved her from the get-go. detailed with how she wanted things to go she was like very very transparent Mm -hmm. on how she wanted it to go as far as like ethically and like you know always putting character first she she was just very very she was convicted Convicted. she had conviction about the way that she wanted things to go and we hung up that phone i remember we were like liberia that's our place yeah and um which i had no idea where that was at. i didn't know where it was on the map no idea i hadn't never i had personally never heard of it yeah yeah me neither so so then we were like, okay, that's what we're going to do. So we moved forward with Liberia, get our home study. Um, I remember even our home study, we were like, there's just so many things that should have taken forever. Oh, well, it did feel like it took forever, but to get our home study complete, it took like, it's like a six month program. I remember um, on our two year anniversary, I surprised Zach with like this free trip to New York. We had all these miles. It was so special. And I remember being at, um, what's the name of that pizza place that's in the village that, we went to under the oh, Brooklyn so we Bridge. went to the original Grimaldi's, Grimaldi's at the end of the Brooklyn Bridge and we had yeah. this napkin and I remember uh right we had just submitted gonna... yeah we just submitted our home study and you know you go through all the classes of and you're at your home study of say how if you're open to one or two and I remember us both saying we really hope it's just one because just one kid is enough right like there's a lot that comes with growing a family one is good but if there's a really rare situation where maybe there's like a sibling set or whatever we'll just put two and I remember our caseworker was like I would put two just in case you know you just never know and um and i remember getting the approval for two which was pretty rare with our income and all the different things and so acromaldi's we wrote on that napkin if if we had one or two yeah and i (laughs) think the room would look like like we honestly (laughs) forgot that we actually signed up for two because when or that we said we're open to have two kids because in our brain, because, it was just one. Yeah, because we had, had like kind of cemented that that would never happen. Mm-hmm. It would just be one. And I remember us being like, wait, did like somehow like our application change? Like yeah. we got approved for yeah, two? Yeah, I remember like, we were is so this like, confused. How is this, this like happen? a creative miracle? Are we like, allowed? Like, are we even <laughs> eligible for yes. two kids? It was just this like really interesting, you know, mindset for us where, you know, we thought we'd only grow by mm-hmm. – by one, mm-hmm. but so cool. And so, so amazing that happened the way it did. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. So without going into a bunch of detail about our matching process, we submitted our uh, dossier in October of 2016, and we got matched um, technically on my birthday of 2016. Right, that remember that week? It was we were basically it was amazing. It was a long, long it's a long story, but um, our children were not biologically related, but with their situation, they brought both of these cases forward and they were previously matched with one family and they, you know, had been together their whole lives and they come from the same tribe and they're from the same family, but not biological brother and sister. And so they brought this situation to us. And I remember they sent us um, the pictures and of their faces and they sent us um, Asa first and then they sent us a picture of Birdie. And I remember just, I was at Wipe Every Tear. You remember that? <laughs> and Zach was there too. He was worked on the other side of the building or other side of the room, I should call it. And um, 
I show him a picture and I was like, Zach, do you think these are our kids? And before, you know, they send a few different things. So you kind of don't know, oh, is this realistic? But I remember saying, let's say yes right away. And Zach was said, no, we're going to fast and pray. You don't, we're not going to just quickly say yes into, you know, you're, we're going to like actually think about this. And I remember being like, what? You know, like, let's just say yes now. And Zach was so wise about it. He's like, I, I'm, I believe these could be our children, but I want to like really press into the Lord with it. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, it's so annoying. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, of course I remember that. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, long story short, um, so after that process was up, we both felt led like, yep, okay, we're going to move forward. And so then there was a grant application that we had applied for um, within that time. And we told them, you know, we had said, you know, this is our situation and we're, we just matched with two children. And so that was the very beginning of December, December 27th. I'll never forget the day this grant organization called us and they said, we are so inspired by your story. We want to fund the entire second adoption, the entire, cause you know, they're two separate adoption costs cause they were not biologically related. And so we said yes to these two kids, knowing the cost was double, not having a di- two dimes to rub together. Right. <laughs> and the important thing to understand is that everybody, mainly everybody, everybody, thought we were crazy. Everybody I'm not kidding. thought we were crazy. There Our were families. Oh, close family members. Friends. Some friends. There were there were, there were a few people, and you know who you are. There were a few people <laughs> who were like, in our God is on this. Yeah. This is going to happen. I can happen. count on one hand how many people were genuinely for it. <laughs> but I am telling you, the reason why that miracle is so significant is because there were a lot of half-hearted people believing around us. Like, I don't know if this is even possible. Like, like emoji you praying guys hands, are but not really with us. <laughs> totally emoji praying hands. Emoji praying hands and then goes off to lunch and doesn't think a thing about totally. us. That, like, literally people had kind of written us off as, like, you're too young, you don't have enough money, and this will never happen. Mm-hmm. But God is really, really hungry and oh. really really invested for the orphan yep. for those who are marginalized and those who don't have a home yep. all right i'm gonna step down <laughs> for a second and go back to the story so the timeline the, so the they box. so they back call the us timeline. and tell but us but it's that. important to understand the context <laughs> i wish That's, i have a video that is the phone call like all that was the tension leading up to the phone call the tension leading up to the phone call the same month of being matched with yeah. which the lord knows gosh if we had to wait you know it would have been very years, hard it would have been brutal yeah so then a week after that, we get another call from a different grant organization that gave us 8000 which that then was put towards the first adoption because, mm-hmm. you know, they said they want to they want to cover the second adoption. Yeah. And so and then a week after that. So essentially, all of a sudden, all of these grants that we had applied for months prior um, all come in within this three month period. And something else that's really important to note is uh, two weeks after we matched with Birdie and Asa formally at the end of December, we got a call from our caseworker saying, Your son is very, very sick. We don't know with what. It's multiple different things. Um, they told us what they thought it would be, which were two we scary things. Yeah. You know, like, we're like, Very, Whoa. very scary. And so they basically said, Do you still feel like you want to move forward with this? And throughout the entire adoption, they educate you on understanding, hey, especially international adoptions, there's a huge risk that right. there are undiagnosed things that are happening. Right. And at that point, you know, Zach and I are both so loyal to our core. It's like, you don't say yes to a child and then say, Oh, well, this, okay, yeah, never mind. Like, let's just retract this you know, 
yeah, this and thing. It was instantly. That too. But for me personally, the first time we looked at the picture of Asa. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. It was game over. Exactly. It was game like there's a, over. There's a deep feeling inside. I mean, I can't explain it. I can't describe it. I don't have words for it. But there's a deep feeling of connection. Deep. And I just knew. We're like, this is our son. Both of them, man. Remember her bubblegum teeth? She had little right, but chiclet teeth. Oh. Both of them, for sure. The reason why I'm focusing yeah, on Asa is because Asa. the context yeah, yeah, yeah. you're giving, right. which is yeah. Asa was sick. Birdie was in perfect health. Mm-hmm. They had no concerns about mm-hmm. about Birdie. And so the question was not, do you want to adopt Birdie and Asa? The question was, do you want to follow through adopting Asa? Asa, knowing that these health that conditions sick. are and significant. again, there was just this deep connection. It was like, that's our son. Yep. That's our son. What what are we looked at each other and said, what other there's option a, do we have? Yeah, there's another option. And I remember actively every single time somebody asked on our home set, you know, a thousand times they ask you the same questions, <laughs> are you open to special needs? We said no. Every time we said no. We said we can't handle it. We can, we're too young and it's just not something that, you know, and I remember us saying maybe later down the road we would consider it, but right now there's no way. Yeah, it was too intimidating. And again, but God. So yeah. So essentially um, that happened, and so then you have this weird, um, like, war within your heart of your heart is now on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean uh, on in a country that you, you know, have never no been to. No idea what it's like. You have no idea what, the, you know, you hear that it's the poorest place on planet Earth. Uh, you know that they're recovering from a, a, a pandemic, civil war, and a civil pandemic, war all these a lot things. Of corruption. But all you're thinking is, get me to my baby, right? Yeah. And so, um, essentially, that six months of waiting, there are so many things we could talk about, and maybe we'll do a whole episode on like the waiting process. But um, there was so, so, so much, and so essentially, the it came to the process within our adoption process where we said, is there any way we could get on one way plane and just go there until our adoption is finalized? We had no idea how long we we're going to be there. Um, thankfully with our, um, work, we were doing a lot of our stuff remotely within, um, where we're working wipe every tier and, you know, counseling, uh, you know, missionaries and stuff. And so all that was already online. And so they said, yeah, let's do it. And so in that process, we got to help other people with their adoptions and, um, us having the experience internationally and those kinds of things. It was so good for us, but yeah, it was um, so amazing to be supported in that way yeah. by wipe every tear and, and yeah. everybody that we worked that with. Was like, special season. It was really special just to have that, you know, that yeah. blessing and support. And, and we'll do a whole episode on just our time in Liberia. Cause yeah. I, we really want to split this through just growing our family specifically, but um, you know, you get there and they hand you these two children and you're kind of like, I mean, Zach and I didn't, we're not necessarily that, that natural intuitive parental instincts, you know, like some people are like, just at like six years old, you're like, oh, wow, they're made to be a mom. Yes, I had some of that, but we didn't, you know, where we were staying, we didn't, power would go out, internet would go. I mean, we didn't have this access to this instant Google. Like it was really such a funny season yeah. of us really relying on each other in the Lord of saying, okay. We're gonna be like, re- like okay, Asa has a stomachache. What should we do? We don't, we can't look it up. Okay, let's do X, Y, Z or whatever. Right. And so when I look at it now, I'm like that. I wish so bad that we uh, had like some hilarious like crew filming that because we were hilarious. I got malaria while there, very very sick. Asa was very very sick. <laughs> like, it was yeah. just crazy. But I also look at it and I think those are those are the f- my favorite memories of all of my life. Uh, it just oh my gosh, we fought so hard in that four months to be a family and to build a 
just really a foundation for how we were going to run things as a family. Man, like that's where our unit really, we really synced to there. And it was hard, but it was so special. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, something that you're probably hearing a lot of as we're you're talking about growing a family, you know, that's the conversation we're having. For us, we didn't expect we'd grow our family in this way, almost in every step along the way. Thought we'd grow by one, grew by two. Mm-hmm. Thought we couldn't handle a situation where, you know, one of our children with special needs has special needs, right? Had no idea, you know, that we'd be living in a foreign country the first time we became parents, but we did, right? It's like we, the way that sometimes your family's gonna grow, the way that sometimes God is desiring mm-hmm. to grow a family isn't necessarily what you think. I don't know if it ever is. <laughs> right. But I want to I want to say that to, you know, just encourage you like encourage people listening that it's okay that your family doesn't grow the way that you expect it to grow. And that it's unconventional. It's fine that it's unconventional. Yeah. Don't like I think there's such a traditional perspective mm-hmm. on how a family's supposed to happen and mm-hmm. how it's supposed to grow. Or and I don't think that if most people really told their stories like publicly, I don't think that most people, like you said, their families would have grown in the way that they expected. Yeah. It's just cool. It's it amazing. Cool. It's a miracle how so families come about. And and in the same breath, if your story, you know, maybe so, your story is more, quote, conventional, and you look at a story like ours and you think, oh, that's such like a sexy story. Like there's so many like adventurous. Sure, like, yeah. Then it's like, oh, man, my family story is boring. It's like, no. No, not at all. Yeah. Like, it's amazing that it, you know, can be done conventionally or whatever that even means but like it's amazing that you know maybe i've heard doesn't have to be this like movie plot of a story to be powerful yeah i've heard stories of people who are literally like you know we we prayed and we uh asked the lord if we could have one year of marriage and after one year of marriage just the two of us we had a kid you know it's like that's incredible (laughs) like that's awesome like yeah but on the other side of the coin it doesn't always happen that way and it's totally okay right you know because i think the precedent that's set is that I hope it happens conventionally. I mm-hmm. hope it happens like the quote unquote way that a family yeah. is supposed to be grown. Right. The flip side, totally amazing, you know, just as amazing, equally as amazing. Sure. Yep. I'm not leaving anybody out. I'm exactly. not saying that that's the good. value is different on either exactly. side. Exactly. That's but really it's good. just as unique ways. Yeah, I love that. I yeah. love that. And I love our story, obviously. Yeah. And so um continuing with that story. So we ended up coming back home. There's a lot of adjustment period. And so, um, and that's kind of the adoption story for the most part. There's huge gaps that we're right. obviously not including just for the sake of time. But um, kind of flipping now into our fertility story, that entire time we were kind of like, you know, and everyone also things not to say to people adopting. Oh, now that you're adopting, you're going to get pregnant. Remember how many people told us that? And we were like, gosh, we hope so. That'd be awesome. Mm. <laughs> Remember we were saying, oh, if we got pregnant in Africa, we could say all of our children were made in Africa. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> like we had all these romantic, fit, or yeah. I should say I do. Zach tends to be the um, harness within the two of us. I go into fantasy land super quick. Um, and so throughout our adoption process, um, we started the process of figuring out, okay, um, like I'm not getting pregnant. Okay. We're not preventing. And there's all, you know, this is kind of interesting. I have these different symptoms. And so, 
um, there was that period shortly after we came home from Liberia was when we actually started actively using fertility treatment. And for me, it was very mm. draining because... Yeah. Um, Trying all sorts of different things. Oh, we tried so everything. And Zach was so supportive in the actual fertility journey. Um, but it was, you know, when you're in your brain, there's so many different fantasies and like dreams that I had. But I just so badly wanted the Lord to submit to my idea of like age gaps between kids and this and this. And, and just also it kind of became this weird thing within my own mind of proving my own body wrong. Remember that? How I just, there's this whole yeah. journey of me needing to understand my body and yeah. fertility. So, yeah. um, and in that gap, there was so much God was healing within our marriage. And so um, there was a lot of unraveling there that we had to really sort through. And so essentially our fertility story mm-hmm. is, you know, obviously lost one tube, which was kind of the beginning part of our, you And know, she lost her fallopian too. Growing yep. our family. Yeah. Then later got all these other tests and got new diagnoses and had to lose my other fallopian tube. Yes. So do you want to talk a little bit about that or no? Because that was like, for me, that was really frustrating. It was so hard. What we found out in the end about your other other tube. tube. Yeah. Because we had been Been told. Well, so when she had her surgery in Hawaii, what we were referencing earlier, um, you know, the doctor looked at, you know, the rest of her anatomy and said, look, the other fallopian tube is just fine. Yep. I don't see, you know, any reason why you guys would have trouble um, conceiving, know, conceiving mm-hmm. moving forward. So we're like, okay, great. So, you know, fast forward how many years later? Four. Four years later. And how many different doctors styles of and treatment and <laughs> medicine? Oh, my gosh. There's so many doctors within that. Probably 10 different doctors that we saw. Money? Oh, my word, right? the like amount of money that fertility takes, emotional, yeah. Emotion. So we had been in, I mean, four years invested in, you know, emotionally, financially, you know, with our time and all that. And then we go to a consultation. We went to a consultation for IVF, and in order to uh-huh. be um, considered, before you can right. even consider IVF, they make you do all this testing. And one yeah. of them was Very a tube. Very thorough testing. Yeah, thorough, thorough testing. You know, obviously a whole blood panel, but they do, an if, if you're familiar, it's HSG, which is a... They clear out your tubes to make sure your tubes are open and that your uterus is a good cavity for essentially yeah, yeah. life. So we go and do this uh, small procedure yeah. and they tell us, oh, your tube is fully shut. Not only is it shut, but you have hydrosalpinks, which means it's leaking this really dangerous yeah, uh, liquid. That, acidic fluid, that essentially. W- yeah, that is yeah. terminal for you know, it could a hurt child your, it could or hurt an embryo. Womb. It could hurt the yeah. embryo. It, it just was... And so you can't do IVF with this, so we need to get this fixed. And so essentially we schedule a surgery to move forward with this with the understanding that they would be able to just push fluid through, open up that tube, uh, so then it's not leaking that, so then we could do IVF, saving the tube. You know, this we're like, this is going to be great. So we go to the surgery, and they essentially tell Zach, oh, sorry, not only (laughs) could we... Right. Not save so, the tube, but we yeah, had to remove it. Yeah. So it was full of endometriosis. They had to make that call, they had to make that call um, mid-surgery. Right. So I I have no idea what to expect, you know, when the doctor comes out with his notes. But, yeah, essentially tells me, oh, we had to remove the tube. Remove the other tube. Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't know the ramifications of that. Yeah. But in my head, I'm thinking, okay, that's that. Yeah. Like, but – he explained to me, you know. You can still do IVF. Still do IVF. But, yeah, that. we had to remove the endometriosis. Yeah. We had to remove the tube. We had to, you know. 
And so we wake up and it was just kind of this like, you've got to be kidding me situation. So basically um, within that, other than that miracle of that grant coming in and paying for the second adoption, a a couple weeks prior, we had randomly got a call out of nowhere saying, hey, you've been on this clinical trial list for three years. You're the perfect candidate. Um, can you come to this clinical trial? And we had met with five different IVF doctors and not had, hadn't necessarily felt confident about any of them. And so um, this we one was like here locally. We were more like trying to justify going to one of the clinics. Yeah, because all the like clinics were, were not local. Them, they yeah. were all far away doctors <clears throat> that we had you know, heard about in head, like, and price and all the things. Yeah. yeah. And so this one was local in town, one of the best clinics. And we just, it was so out of our price range that we we're like, oh, there's just no way. So when they called us, first off, I'm in Costco buying, literally grabbing hot dogs when I get the phone call. And I remember thinking, she said, you've been on this list for almost three years. And I'm like, I never got myself on a clinical trial list. I don't remember getting on this list. I mean, to me, it was like that same level of miracle of that financial thing, you know, uh, the financial grant of our, you know, adoption. Cause it was like, whoa, you can't make this stuff up. I call Zach. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, this dream of a clinic, we trial, everything IVF paid for, blah, blah, blah. So we let them know post-surgery. This is, you know, and they still say, oh, you're still in it. This is great. We're going to get started. So then long story short, we start this IVF clinical trial and everything's going great. We're like, I can't believe this is going to be fully paid for. This is like, this doesn't happen. Oh my gosh. And then after six weeks of injections, I get kicked out of the trial because my estrogen level would like drop half of like half a point. Yeah. Too low or too high? Yeah. My One estrogen needed to be at 20 before I could. Yeah, um, and, crazy. and basically it was at 22, yeah. which they said oh, you could take that. Yeah. Okay, but like they said. You could take it to a different lab and it would be 18. Like that's how close the numbers are of that specific hormone. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were, they were all devastated. They're like, you were so sorry. So I had pumped all these hormones into me and then remember getting kicked out of that. And I remember up until then, I mean, remember I, I wept. I hadn't, I felt like I haven't wailed, cried like that. The very first emotion that flooded me was why on earth would this like anger? I was so mad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why would they even, why would God bring this opportunity for it to literally be yanked under the rug? Like, yeah. and then not only that, but the, you know, the office, when you are pumping yourself with hormones, it's down right. to the day of, you know, you, well, the next tomorrow you need this injection. And so they were like, you need to tell us by tomorrow at five, if you want to continue on and pay for it, or if you, you know, just want to scratch it and whatever. So we had like <laughs> big decisions to make in less than 12 hours. And I just remember being so broken like that broke my heart and so long story short we felt both felt like you know what um we've been putting so much into my body let's just carry this cycle out let's pay for it let's move forward did you feel like your body was done uh, at that point i mean because i mean we're talking about four years yeah leading up to that did you feel did you i didn't honestly i don't in know that, if in that moment though it, that week like what what did you feel like did you feel like your body was done what did you feel it's a like? weird feeling because my oh, this whole time this whole journey every i mean the other thing is you know we've charted i know everything about getting pregnant i feel like i've read yeah. every book and every cycle my month would look like i was for sure pregnant i mean for four years i thought i was pregnant every month and it is so weird because no matter what news we got i always was like okay moving forward. I knew I would get pregnant. Yeah. So yes, I was discouraged and angry at God for the way, um, the whole IVF clinical trial. Right. But I was like, I just knew 
and you did too. We, we were always like, no, I know I'm going to get pregnant. Like, yeah. But I was pissed yeah. that my body had to take the abuse that it did in order to get there. Right. Like it was just kind of like, you got to be kidding me. And I'm really scared of needles. And yeah. I, you know, obviously <laughs> if you're doing like six deductions a day and it was just like, holy cow. And so I just felt de- definitely okay. drained and fatigued physically. But it's weird how like you couldn't break my spirit like i was so like i this is gonna happen see i remember feeling like you were so dialed in all the way leading up to it but then when that happened i was like i don't know like if she can take anymore like it was like one of those moments where like maybe (laughs) this is an extreme analogy but i felt like uh you know like a ring coach like a boxing coach i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) fighter is like in the fight and you know we're in the the 11th (laughs) round yeah and he's been doing really well the whole time Mm -hmm. but just really got knocked down Mm -hmm. and is looking staggered like i remember looking at you thinking i don't know if we're gonna you know be able to do this right this thing yeah i I remember even coming to you later on and and you i remember you i was so concerned about you yes your mental my body your mental health and your physical body I remember distinctly you coming in the bathroom. I was in the bathtub and I remember you saying, I want to give you full permission to pull out. Like you do not have to move forward with this if your body yeah. is so drained. We can do this next year. There is right. no expiration like, date. Give it a break. Give it a break. Yeah. I remember you saying, I'm giving you permission. If Is that what you need? And I was right. like, no, I don't. Like yeah. I remember that. So, um, so we moved forward. We had a great egg retrieval. Um, there's uh, that we have youtube channel that we share i think i egg retrieval maybe not a few episodes behind we need to upload but essentially we're planning for a fresh transfer which means that you do your transfer um five days after your egg retrieval and i ended up giving extreme ohss which means um your ovaries fill with fluid hyper hyper stimulation and mine was so so bad and so we had to cancel the transfer and i was devastated um i get like so connected to dates and so i was like oh our date of october is now we're gonna have the baby in october this sucks so sad so then we're like okay moving forward okay we'll do a frozen transfer it'll be next month it's gonna be great and then the entire world gets hit with corona <laughs> and yes and i remember right. the doctor called it the or nurse uh, so the girl roadblocks. in charge of our injections <laughs> If I had started my injections at 8 a.m. that morning, I would have been in the the crew of who could have gone forward. But right. my injection was scheduled for 5 p.m. And I remember she called and she said, did you take your injection yet? At like noon. Remember this? And I was like, no, it's scheduled for 5. And she goes, okay, well, don't because we just found out our, we're closing down. Anyone that hasn't taken an injection as of 8 a.m. this morning. And so then I remember lying. I was like, no, no, I took it at 8. And she goes, did you really? And I remember feeling instant conviction, Lord. I'm like, no, I didn't. But don't, can't, don't. I've been waiting so long. Please don't do this. And I begged her. Yeah. I'm like, please just let us move forward. We'll sign any documents. We're all good. And she's like, I'm sorry, your your transfer's been canceled. Yeah. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, Lord. <laughs> Freaking pandemic. Like, we've been waiting. Everything was set up. So then, essentially, we had to wait two and a half more months. They call us later, said, okay, you've been cleared. Do you want to get on the schedule? move forward and in that period they had forgotten to take an antibody test because we were part of the clinical trial they needed to do this blood test basically within that period they found out i have this rare antibody that can cause reoccurring miscarriage and so going into our transfer they basically said listen the the odds of this working aren't the highest like can you guys pause for a second and count all the hurdles 
Can someone give us like a account? Send us account. Oh man, it was hilarious. We were like, I'm tra- I'm sorry, what? And they're like, we're supposed to do this antibody test, but because you're in the clinical trial, somehow it didn't get done, and so you have this, and so. And they had to not- dig. They had to really dig on it because they didn't even. We did really- it three separate times. It was this whole. No one had even really heard oh, of so it. Oh, so rare. That That's what I'm remember- saying. They had to dig on the actual condition. Like they She's were like, like, we were seeing two other cases in the entire, two. and one was on the East Coast. So I'm gonna call this doctor and see what he his outcome was. It was so. We're like we're like laughing almost at this point. Like, what the heck is this? What is going on? And so, essentially, um, we both were like, "Nope, we're moving forward with the transfer." And the doctor was very, very clear about the risks, the risks. associated yeah. with that condition. And, and even with an everything. IVF, we'll do a whole episode on IVF a bunch. In fact, we have a bunch of guests and friends that we're going to invite into the IVF conversation, but. Um, one of the things about IVF is PGS testing, genetic testing, because it lowers, it can put potentially lower, um, miscarriage rates and all this stuff. And, yeah. and we didn't do that. And so basically our doctor let us transfer to, mm-hmm. and also because of the antibody, it was so rare that even one would take. So we go to the transfer and, um, obviously 10 days later we take a test. And I remember feeling, you know, when you've been waiting to be pregnant for so long, you always think you're pregnant. Every month you think you're pregnant. And I remember my boobs were sore and I had all these random things where I was just kind of like, I don't know. Like, and I remember the morning we took our test, they tell you don't take at home test because you're pumped full, full of hormones. It could be false positive or it could be negative and you actually are pregnant. And at like four in the morning, I take the test Zach, that night before Zach was like, yeah, we agreed to take the test in the morning. And I had a pee. Not at so. four in the morning, but yeah. we did agree to take but the I had test, a pee. but it just happened to be. <laughs> I had a pee. Yeah. So I remember thinking, oh, I'll pee on it. And then whenever we wake up later, as if I am that chill. Like, if you guys know no me, I am so way. not that chill. So, like, it dries. I go back the to lay in bed. There, and then literally <laughs> I tap Zach on the face. Yeah. I'm like, Zach, Zach, uh, I can't go back to sleep. I took the test, but it's in there and it's ready to be read. Like, can we read this? And you were like, huh? Like, hold on, give me a second. If I'm about to find out the results. No, by the time she asked me if we could read it, she was already reading it. (laughs) So I was like, it wasn't really a question. It was just, she was letting me know we're about to read it. (laughs) It's true. It's true. And Zach specifically said, I don't want to record it. This is just for us. Like, I just want this between us. So I flip it over and, uh, and it was so early. I, I remember the second before I flipped the test over, I told you it is so early. So this could be it could be not positive we flip it over it was bright positive and i remember the first thing zach said was see your body's doing what it was created to do and not saying that the female body is created with a purpose i'm not going to get into that because i got a bunch of instagram messages one time saying the female body's worth more than that when i shared that that i said that oh my goodness yeah please stop (laughs) like honestly don't assume you know all the context we're talking about context is everything zach always that's a zach hepworth quote but i just i just want to say like it was just a special moment because up until that point you really really wanted to see your body work in making a baby. Yeah. Specifically. Exactly. That was something exactly. that was I knew a desire for your heart. I knew it And could. so when in that moment, when I looked at her, there are years of tears, years of prayer, years of struggle, yeah. years of hurdles that we had just overcome. And in that moment, I looked at her and said, look, babe, your, your body's, body's doing, doing what it's made to do. Yes. Because for her, that was Ugh. one of the things that was the biggest desire of her heart yeah to see her body do yeah 
Yes. Exactly. It's so, so well said. There's the babe. context, guys. So, so uh, and then I remember I just remember I, started, I broke down and wept. It was powerful. Oh, it was one of my favorite memories with you. Powerful moment. Uh, and then, and it was like, you know, there's a whole process after that we're not going to go into when we found out it's twin. Well, maybe I'll just share really quick, actually, just because that is a really cool part. So, um, so after you find out you're getting pregnant and you've waited so long, all of a sudden then you're like everything you like go down the stairs holding the staircase rail. Like you're so cautious because you're like, I don't want to lose this baby. I don't want to look back and think, Oh, I did this. And that's, you know, whatever. So six weeks on the dot being pregnant, we did not know if it was one or two, the risk of it being two, or the, I should say the, the percentage of it being two um, was so low or I guess just pregnancy in general. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. The, so the odds of us conceiving were super low. Yeah. The odds of it being twins were far lower. Yeah. We didn't even we didn't even think that we'd ever have twins. No, Zach would like say, "I'm believing like twins. Twins are gonna be awesome." I always say, "Would love." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was kind of, it was kind of like one of those like consolation sure. faith statements. Like exactly yeah, hopefully. <laughs> for sure. So then um, he had to go somewhere for work. He was in California for two weeks. In a six weeks on the dot, I was out of shower and I started bleeding. I went to the bathroom, pulled down, like went to go pee, and there was blood everywhere. I got everywhere and I remember being instantly my first thought is oh my gosh I'm losing this baby so I call Zach and I was like I'm bleeding so much I think I'm having a miscarriage you know it's during COVID so I couldn't have anyone come with me so essentially we go I finally get to the ER I go to get an ultrasound and the ultrasound text says um okay honey I see two sacs but I only see one heartbeat and so it looks like you're miscarrying one of them and I looked at her (laughs) I looked at the right thing to say. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, "You keep looking for that second heartbeat." Just like I was so intense and yeah. she looked at me and I said, "I refuse to walk out of this hospital without accurate information because backtrack 5 years ago, we had given been, been given, given so much inaccurate information with by our ectopic. Yes. yes. They told us a baby was the in your uterus. Here, here, here it is. is. Gave right us there. a picture, this yeah. whole thing. And still I know ultrasound, we still have the picture and so I looked at her and I said, I will not leave this room without yeah. accurate information. And yeah. she looked at me with these big old bug eyes and was like, okay. And you guys, six minutes later, literally six minutes, this whole time I'm texting Zach, he's in the middle of driving from San Diego to Vegas for work. And there's like not the best information. Uh, I was in like approaching the, the desert. And desert, so yeah. Service is in and out. Service is in and out. Um, it was like this total drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I told him, two sacks, you know, I'm giving him all these updates. And then she, six minutes after telling me that there are two sacks, but only one heartbeat and that I was miscarrying one of them, she says, oh my word. And then she, and the whole time she wouldn't put the the screen towards me because she didn't want me to see because I, you know, and she goes, there it is. There's a second, there's two heartbeats. And And she just starts crying, this ultrasound tech. And I lose it. I, 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 I like cried out loud, like this, like this deep wail of a cry. And I said, I knew it. And, and, and then this ultrasound tech just held me for like literally three yeah. minutes. She took out the wand, so like, good. and then just held me. And she said, I've been doing this 18 years. I've never got an A tell someone they're pregnant with twins. But she said, B, you, you scared me. You were so assertive <laughs> with me. And I, and I, she was, I guess, kind of a more timid personality. And she said, you really, really scared me. I wouldn't have kept looking. And she said, I'm so glad that you, you know, really like, yeah. you know, whatever. And she just held me. Yeah, and I remember, and so then I texted Zach 
<laughs> I hated that I had to tell him that it was twins through a text. I texted, I said, Zach, it's twins. It's two freaking heartbeats. She found the other heartbeat. And I just felt like the weight, and it ended up being a subchorionic hemorrhage, which with IVF pregnancies is apparently very common, which I probably should have been notified of that. But um, I was just wrecked. I was beyond wrecked. I can't believe it's freaking twins. Like, yeah. and Zach was like, oh, I knew, I knew it, I knew it. And it was just such a um, a moment where it's like you look, you don't look at the history and the whole, you know, challenges that you've been through. All you look at is like, oh my gosh, this is what we've, like, this is it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And being able to tell Birdie and Asa, like, what's been so special with pregnancy is being able to really restore a lot of just experiences within pregnancy with them, saying this is what you were in your birth mama's stomach, and that's a whole thing in itself. But it's been so special for our family to be on the receiving end of that, uh, of this miracle within pregnancy, because it's serving our whole family. Like, these kids, these babies in my stomach, they belong to Birdie and Asa just as much as they belong to, you know, Birdie goes around saying, oh, my baby, my babies, my babies, our babies. Um, and it's just, it's such a special season to be on the other side of healing within our marriage, the other side of healing within um, understanding the foundations and really like the mission of what our family is about. And just being able to receive this gift of life and to say, okay, guys, like, it feels like I don't know. Like, it just feels like we're almost starting an entire new book of, of a family together. And I don't know how else to explain it. I'm just, so our due date is technically, I'm six months pregnant now. You know what, it, like what I hear you saying. Okay. Yeah. Like help what, me. Like Translate me. What I feel from that statement hmm. is it feels like we're for the first time moving forward without like massive amounts of friction in, in our in growing yeah. our family with our family like to grow our family we have gone through so much right so much that i even forget that we've even gone through I until we start having these conversations yeah. because like you said you know the moments of you know adopting Bertie and asa and you know inviting them into our family and you know just that whole process made mm-hmm. me forget so much of the pain leading up to it and then you getting pregnant with twins, what? Yeah. Like, never really truly expected that mm-hmm. that could happen. It happens and makes me forget about all these things. So for the first time, I feel like in our lives, we're crazy moving opposition. forward without all this crazy friction. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like almost unsettling in a way. It's like we don't even know how to quite Remember operate our, the without first part of the all of this friction. We were friction. like, we're waiting for something bad to happen. Yes, like. we, we realized one day I came home and I, I said, well, okay. I noticed that every single time we would go to the hospital, we'd start to have all these unsettling, Triggers. uneasy feelings. Yeah. We'd start getting weird, and it was just Sweating. kind of yeah. You know, <laughs> you're, you start reacting in a way that's like, "Why we're just going to an ultrasound?" Right. And so I started thinking about it and praying about it, and I, I came to Evie and I said, "Hey, we have like trauma connected to you know the hospital Medical big care. time." Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's just routine or not. Like, we have this trauma connected to it. And so, anyways, we we realize, like, we we can celebrate. Like, we realize, like... We are in a celebratory season. We're in a season. celebratory season. Yeah. We're, we're in a season where there isn't going to be all this friction. That mm-hmm. things are going well. That things mm-hmm. are going 
you know, whatever smooth means, that's how they're, you know, that's how it's yeah. going. So it's been, it's been an adjustment. It's been an adjustment. For us, for sure. We're like, wait a minute. We're this is what so- it feels like to go with the stream and not uphill or yeah. upstream. Like yeah, yeah. there's so many different. So um, I think that's what you're. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it's been really special, obviously, with people that have come alongside of this whole journey and we, getting feedback from people saying like, oh, you encouraged us in this journey. Or uh, I get a lot of women with infertility or waiting for adoption saying, Oh my gosh, you, yeah. you know, you'll never know how your family's journey has impacted us. So so that's the real story from, mm-hmm. uh, from just our family growing our family. Yeah. It started with uh, just Zach and I, and we're still growing. Uh, our relationship is, oh my gosh, evolving and growing so, so much. Yeah. It's so amazing how I love him more today and like in this season than ever. We've gone through just battles and together I love you more than you love me <laughs> in this moment <laughs> it's fun and, yeah i love growing a family with with you and yeah there's just there's a lot guys there's not a lot always easy but no. it's so much fun it's so much fun it really is yeah so thank you for listening to the journey of us growing our family i hope that you were encouraged by it i hope it's a good story for you to be able to look at and see the faithfulness of god and uh, and god doesn't change and he doesn't and he he's unwavering in his faithfulness yeah, and probably so one of our favorite things he's the same he's the same today. he was the same yesterday mm-hmm. and when you wake up he's gonna be the same tomorrow and he's loyal that's been such a testimony for us yes uh, yes and that loyalty has really been painted uh on the canvas of our family so for sure so if you guys have any questions as always we say this but we're embarrassingly easy to get a hold of so you can email us at raisingworth at gmail.com you can find us on instagram at raisingworth um, but we have a lot of exciting episodes coming your way, specifically highlighting adoption because November is National Adoption Month. But lots of just great conversations we're excited to get on here and share with you guys. So thank you for listening. And have an absolutely fantastic day. <laughs>